Hey guys, this is Rough Stuff Podcast number 11. I'm Garrett. I got Zach and Morgan here. Hey guys. Hey. Good afternoon. And our guest today is Justin Hall. What's up, Justin? What's going on, guys? How you doing? Pretty good, man. Pretty, Pretty good. good. So um, today, I guess what I have here in my notes is just to kick it off and, and, and kind of get your background. And uh, one of the questions I have here is... Um, I want to know how you got started in Ultra 4 and racing in general. So I got started, shoot, actually, it kind of goes back to when I got started into wheeling. I was like 15, 16. Me and my dad did a uh, father-son project. We went has on a 1988.5 Suzuki Samurai. And then we wheeled that through the Rubicon a couple of times, and we went and did our first rock crawling event. Then we ended up, it was like a run let you brung like put up or shut up style event and uh it's it was funny i was the only rig on like 32s at the time running against all these like trail rigs on like 40s and i think there's like a total of 60 something cars out there right and they they everyone laughed at us we ended up finishing like seventh out of every out of four cars and then just kind of from there did we rock cow rocks uh after doing pretty well and we rocked some of my sponsors were pushing me towards the racing scene and i just ended up building the car for it and next thing i know here i am talking with you guys <laughs> <laughs> right on man that so what how did you get started with us like i i don't i don't remember that story i don't really remember either it, it just kind of happened i think it was almost 10 years ago something like that yeah, that was a and, long time uh, ago yeah yeah, it, it was a really long time ago. I think I called you guys for getting uh, a couple heim joints for steering on my first uh, comp buggy, and then I ended up meeting Dan someplace, and we just kind of started hitting it off. He goes, "Well, if you need anything, just give me a call." And so I called him, and it's all been kind of history from there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of like a Dan deal. I feel like that's how like a lot of like the OG like sponsored racers got like started with was with Dan, you know, just a. Uh... Yeah, just coming by, saying what's up, or dancing, someone at an event and giving him some something like, remember uh, Jimmy? Yeah. Yeah, he gave him like a, I think he gave him like a cover, or gave him some product because like his his rig blew up or something broke, and that was that. Yeah, which is here. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was honestly something like that. It was some like handshake deal from like you said like ten years ago or something <laughs> like. That. Right yeah, good hangout and a handshake. Yeah. Right. Those are always the best kind of deals. It seems. It is. Yeah. It totally is. It's not too common anymore, that's for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah, definitely. Like the intent behind it is always good. I feel like with that kind of a deal, it's just like, hey, let's just let's work together and and hope hope it all works out. And yeah. it was simpler times back then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely now it's like a whole. Now it's like a a business. Yeah. A little, little bit less obligation back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. What about? Um, what kind of products? I mean, you, you run a lot of our stuff, don't you? Like you run our Himes. I think you have a couple, like axles, right? Our housings in there, yeah. I've run pretty much everything I can get from you guys. I have all your limit straps on my new race car, uh, both front and rear axle housings. Um, every single one of your Heim joints are are on my car. Shoot, and I think a bunch of just miscellaneous tabs and brackets that were just quicker and easier to get them from you guys than me to sit there and try to build them all. But yeah, I've I've always had a, your guys' time joints on every one of my cars. That that was more or less the main starter for me was getting all the rod in from you guys. How many how many oh, rigs man. have you had so far? 
Uh, shoot, I've it, competition wise had a samurai buggy at one point, single seat moon buggy, had a two seat rear steer rock crawler, uh, then built my race car, my first one, and then now I'm on my second one. So about a total of five five cars I've had. Nice. Oh I, yeah. Yeah, that moon buggy thing was sweet. I remember that back in the day. Yeah, that th- that was a good car. I think I think the thing ended up in uh, Georgia. Oh, uh, no they, couple it was an older older couple like they're in they're like fifties uh, so not really that old but um, they ended up buying it where they competed it in, in the East Coast out there and I think they still own it too. That's cool, man. That's super cool. Yeah, that was a neat car. Yeah. What was uh when you started getting into like racing? Do you remember your first like actual race? The first actual Ultra 4 race I ever did was, it was actually King of the Hammers. Like, that's <laughs> well, what driving. Talk about getting, getting your feet wet. Yeah, right? <laughs> my first, I, I kind of got my feet wet co-driving for a few people, and that kind of got, that, that kind of gave me the bug to actually go racing, and then I, it's like, hey, I need to build a car for this, and that's when I started hitting up uh, my sponsors at that time. And yeah, it was King of the Hammers, I think it was 2014? Yeah, I think it was, yeah, 2014 was my first King of the Hammers, and I didn't make it but like 16 miles before I broke the car. <laughs> That's how a lot of first first KOH races go. I'm actually pretty surprised yeah. I hear 16 miles. Like sometimes I hear three. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, right? yeah, I made it 16 miles. I finished the car on the lake bed, and oh yeah, I, it was all the experience at once. <laughs> now what, what, what took you out in the 16 miles? You uh, I actually ended up breaking a grade 8 5.8 bolt on my uh, rear upper link uh-huh. at the chassis side. And at that time, I didn't know about shouldering bolts because in rock crawling, we don't see nearly the loads that uh, we do in racing. And it was kind of a expensive lesson to learn, but I broke the upper link bolt at doing about 60 through a set of whoops and the rear end started walking around on me and I almost looped the car Ooh, and wow. really <laughs> short amount of distance and got it slowed down. And by the time we got it stopped, both rear coil, uh, the both rear coilers and rear bypasses were bent in U shapes from sitting there smacking the frame. <laughs> oh man! Oh, that's a painful was, one to come up on. <laughs> how were uh, when you first when you first raced the hammers? Like, how were your nerves? Like, did you just have like a crazy adrenaline spike? Or I'm curious how that how that goes for like. I mean, you, I guess you you've also had like a lot of rock crawling competition, but I mean, was it the same kind of uh, anxiety going into it? completely different because i've never really driven fast before and like i said i've co-drove for people and when they like at ultra four style races but it's different when you put the helmet on and you're in the driver's seat like it just full stupid full race mode like instantly no matter what as soon as you put that helmet on you clip your seat belts on you're literally your first thought is i want to go fast heart starts firing up I want to go fast (laughs) blood start pumping through you do you lose sleep the night before or the night after so the the first two King of the Hammers, I definitely did not sleep much at all. But now that I've had quite a few under my belt and I know what it takes, I'm getting e- it's getting easier to sleep. It's still tough too. I don't sleep as much in it, but I at least get some sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm good with like two, three hours of sleep is good for me before before King of the Hammers. <laughs> yeah, power nap. Yep. Fast sleeper. Yeah. What do you eat before like you jump into the cockpit? I mean, what's like the last meal? you know before you get in there and go racing 
I know it's a weird question, but so, like, I always think about that every time when I see the cars lined up at KOH. It's like, what do all these guys eat before they go do 12 hours of racing? For me, it's a little different because uh, I think most of, you, most of you guys know that I have Crohn's disease, so that's yeah. an intestinal disease, and what I eat definitely affects my, my stomach. So I before before the race, I'll normally eat like super something incredibly basic and bland that will not mess my stomach up. And during the, during the race, I'll probably just snack on a granola bar or something. But for the most part, I don't eat the day that morning or really that evening. I just kind of just stay to things really bland. And I'm more of hydrate than anything. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah. Is that is that pretty common from with other people too, you think? Or is everyone just different? Well, I, I think I, I haven't really talked to that many people about it. I'm sure they probably have something similar where they just have a certain meal that they know isn't going to destroy their stomachs. Not like they're going to go eat something super spicy or go grab Taco Bell or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last thing you want is sitting on the starting, starting line getting bubble guts. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> oh, that's rough. <laughs> Do you, do you remember your first crash uh, during one of those races or my first crash actually ended up was at one of the NorCal rock races um i just came, came in a corner still learning how to drive fast came in a corner too hot and ended up uh grabbing an edge and looped the car i think it rolled like two or three times and landed back on the wheels and kind of was like whoa what the hell was that and <laughs> I had my and my dad at the time was spotting for me in the stands. He goes, "You okay?" I'm like, "I think so." <laughs> so we ended up uh, continuing racing because for some reason the car didn't really take that much damage. Just caught an edge and rolled a couple times, and yeah, it was that was an eye opener. And I'm still I still make mistakes and come into corners too hot or not hot enough and catch an edge and just loop and just get the car up on its side. It happens. It happens to the best of us. Oh, it's, it's actually. <laughs> It's uh, pretty easy to watch that watch that happen in any one of the races at uh, Wild West or something like that, like Nationals. Saw a bunch of cars roll last year, and it was just like those guys are the best, and it just just shit happens. Playing to win, yeah, yeah, yeah. going fast. It, it literally just takes like a split instant, mm-hmm. and it's if you don't steer correctly, like uh, understeer, or oversteer it just right, it catches that edge, and next thing you know, you're going for a little ride. <laughs> As a spectator, I just hate like sneeze because it does happen that fast. I hate like sneezing or something. You take your eyes off the race, and then the whole crowd is is screaming about something, and you missed it because it does happen that quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done uh, you've done a lot of short course racing. You've done a lot of big like endurance style races, like uh, King of the Hammers, where you're just going for hours and hours. What do you prefer? Do you prefer like a quicker race, or are you down for just sit in the seat for twelve hours, just get after it? See, I, I personally, I hate desert racing and I hate like endurance style racing. I'm not a fan of it. I'm most, I like the ideal or the idea of short course racing. That seems to be where I feel like I do my best at. And gotcha. I love it sliding into a corner like two or three wide with two other guys. And just, I love the door to door battling like that. And you get that at hammers, but not as much as you do in short course. Short course, it's, I feel they both have their their strength and like disadvantages. Like short course beats the crap out of your car extremely fast because yeah. you're you're jamming at like let's say Prairie City, you're jamming through rock piles, you're hitting them at 25, 30 mile an hour, and just not caring about your car. You know, at, where at hammers you can kind of have more time to be technical and pick your line through it, but 
short course, I just, I feel it, it takes a little bit more driving skill in a sense to slide into a corner next to somebody and not roll over, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Very different, man. But I see what you mean. From a spectator point, it seems like short course is better than like King of the Hammers. Yeah. I don't know. What do you, what do you, all those ones in the stands, what do you think? <laughs> it gets to happen. You get to see almost everything happen, happening all the time and seeing, you know, like you said, door to door, multiple people next to each other in the same corner. It's a lot more action going on versus watching, you know, like the Jumbotron at, at KOH and they're going from one car to another and all oh, this guy's hung up in the rock garden and that guy's on back door and it's just not, it's not as exciting. Yeah, I think I think King of the Hammers is fun to go down to to experience like the week of and and be able to meet people and see the rigs and wheel and yeah. and, and and build relationships. But from uh, being on the trail during the race day and then also being on the road and it's I find it more fun actually to watch it on the on like on the live live stream that they do. Mm-hmm. It's just like you get all coverage, you get to see like what's going on, you get all updates. It's like just more information flowing versus just hanging out at like Chocolate Thunder for three hours and watching watching people come by. Yeah, waiting for two hours for three cars to come. Yeah, through. exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. There's some cool stuff for sure, um, but yeah, I think the watching it online is is legit. Yeah, they've, they've done a good yeah. job with that. What was that? They've done a pretty good job uh, with how, you know producing that and getting that online for people. Getting all the coverage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. proper it's, coverage. Yeah, it seems like they've it's grown tremendously in that sense of their media coverage is just so on point now how do you do you prep differently for um short course and versus long course or i mean fuel wise probably but about the only difference that i'd really make to my car is short course i'm stripping things off of it to make it the lightest i can Mm. and when you get to like king of the hammers i'm adding spare parts spare fluids high lift jack uh impact guns stuff like that but when it comes to hard prep on everything it's kind of all the same i tend to before king of the hammers like the months leading up so like november october november december january the car gets completely torn down like i tear the car completely apart shocks come off of it those go up to phil and uh liberty mountain fab uh josh west at cbm he normally looks at all my motors for me Take the transmission, drop that off uh, in Jackson at Nixon Transmission. Um, I, I pull everything out of the car. I, I inspect discs, inspect all the axle shafts, and then it goes all back together with all new hardware. Every nut and bolt is brand new every year. And then and that way, oh, you yeah. never have to worry about things failing or for fatigue, you know? And uh, pretty much at that point, once it's already put back together, after hammers, you give it a you can give it a good once over. If nothing was kind of if nothing gave you an issue during the race, you kind of just sit there and you. Ha- I have my date, my actual list. I have like two or three pages list of the things that I check off before every race. Like, hey, I visually inspected these areas because this is where the car is known to have a couple cracks in it. And you just kind of after you build a car and you've wheeled it enough times, you start seeing the common areas that are reoccurring issues. So uh, you just kind of. I like to highlight on those and then always give the good car a good once over before and every race. Totally. How long have you been in this specific car that you're currently racing? Uh, it'll be three years old in uh, February of next year. Gotcha. 
Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, the first the first year was a learning experience with the with the new car and figuring its quirks out and like I said, where things tend to crack at and what wears out faster on it than something else. So Yeah, but yeah. at least last year at Nationals I was watching you and that thing was dialed. The thing is fast as hell. Yeah. yeah. The car is it's gotten a lot faster over the last couple of years and the biggest thing was putting that bit I got a big motor in it now. It's technically small in cubic inch compared to others, but it's rowdy. It's a little 383 stroker based off of a LM7 5.3 liter. And okay. Josh, like I said, Josh West at CBM, he specifically spec this motor out to run on pump gas and built it for my car. Because my car is so light, I don't think I can put any more power to it because I can't keep the, I can't get traction with it at this <laughs> point. <laughs> good problem to have yeah yeah i could think of worse problems to have yeah yeah it's, <laughs> you know is incredible with my car it's ridiculous <laughs> ha, um has the has the quarantine affected like your race season or, or your build at all it it hasn't really affected the build in that sense that if anything it's gave i think everybody more time to prep their cars and get them more dialed in and just more time to test but race season wise yeah i kind of screwed my season in a sense it uh i'm trying to think let's see there's two or three races that were planned within the month of all this quarantine stuff happening and then it all just got canceled and everything is trying to do um I'm trying to think, what the hell <laughs> that's a tough question to ask Eric. yeah yeah sorry <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, what 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 uh, yeah, I don't really know. what races were were um, canceled? I mean, we had well, Stamp, Stampede was shut down. Oh, that's right, Stampede was like the first had, one, huh? That was like that, that yeah. was like one of my favorite Stamp- ones to go set up a booth at, and they can't yeah. do that. So yeah, it was Stampede. I think there was two NorCal Rock races that were supposed to happen, and then LS Fest in Vegas. Oh yeah, yeah, and all those canceled because those are what I planned on doing. And, uh, For sure. Have you guys been to LS Fest yet? No, I, no, we have. Yeah, I haven't. I'm have no. not. We were invited last year, but I, think we're, yeah. I don't think we were able to get anything together for it. That'd be a cool one to go to. I know you want to go, Morgan. I would love to go. Yeah, if you guys, <laughs> we'll send you out there. All right, sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, if you guys get the chance to go, just going. It's an awesome event. You see little, little, literally everything. But you, yeah, back to the whole you know, affecting race schedule. For me, I don't know if I'm going to race much at all this year, just because they're seems like all the event promoters are going to try to stuff everything into three, four months worth of racing when it should be spanned across nine, ten months. And financially, I don't think I could swing that. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I normally I work for a living, you know? We all do. And what, what do you being do for able a living? To, I work for uh, the city of San Jose. Uh, I work in public works. I'm a construction inspector. Okay. So scheduling time off and then just budgeting myself is a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. What about? Uh, do you have any outlook on the twenty twenty one race season? Do you has anyone said anything? Do they even? I guess no one really knows what's going on at all, anyways. But I'm curious what you what you know as far as uh, what the racing promoters are telling you. Honestly, I think the only person that's been big into trying to keep their schedule, even for twenty. 20 is good be at NorCal Rock Racing. He's 
ground is determined to get a race to happen out here on the west coast yeah. ultra four is doing things all on the east coast right now because i guess they're a little more opened up than what we are over here but 2021 I, i'm nervous that king of the hammers is going to get canceled you know with how what everything's happening out here mm-hmm. i don't know i hope to god it doesn't because that's literally like our super bowl and yeah. Yeah. it would be horrible if that event didn't happen next year yeah yeah it wouldn't surprise me i mean like what i think you zach my dad got sick and then there's a bunch of other people just got totally sick there huh yeah yeah no oh no i was sick before you were yeah oh and then sean sean couldn't make it because he was sick. he was sick yeah i already got covid i'm good <laughs> i'm good to go I don't know, man. It seems like everyone's happy, you know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I could even even if it Things is like, like officially. We've all sick. Yeah. Uh, even if it is officially canceled, I could honestly see a lot of people just showing up anyway. Yep. Sure. And just kind of doing, you know, uh, run what you brung, KOH. There you go. <laughs> just like the old Huckfest. Hey, yep. Didn't they do that? I think they did that like a month or two ago. Ultra Four held like a sticker race out there and it was like an invite only and it was kind of they ran the og 13 race like the very first king of the hammers they ran the og course Hmm. and i think there was about like 30 guys that got invited to go out there and race that so that was kind of cool to see pictures and hear about it that's cool yeah that's way rad i think like you said with everybody having more time to prep their cars and make all these improvements and have a ton of time to to make these changes i think if you know, if the 2021 season, let's say it goes according to plan, um, I think a lot of people are going to be a, a ton more competitive. I think yeah. they'll see a lot of different, oh, a lot of different teams come out of the woodwork because they have some more time to prep their stuff. Um, you know, just some, even some of like the lower budget teams when they have more time to kind of do this and put put their paychecks together, they might see some fireworks happen. It'll be kind of cool to watch. Yeah, I know there's quite a few. Uh, new 4400 class cars being built i just finished building a 4500 class car for a customer of mine for some side work that i do and that it'll be there'll be some new cars coming out that should be pretty pretty fast oh that's for sure what's the what's the i think so i know you just built a or you're building a new car um what's the differences like between the two uh, are you jumping up class or so I've been rat holding parts for like two years to build a uh, an IFS car, and I kind of put that project on hold for a little bit, just because I don't know what's happening at all with the quarantine and the race schedule. So I'll probably get back to working on it in like 2021, but the goal is to jump up the 4400 class. Oh yeah, and, gotcha. Yeah, pull so- my car apart a bunch of parts out of it and try to build it on a budget wise and be still be competitive so what's the what's the plan there besides the ifs like what's going to be the main differences you think and what do you want to improve at least at least what do you want to divulge right now i don't know if, if there's some secrets well i i'm not i'm not one of those people that there's some people that are builders where they hold all their secrets and i'll tell you everything i don't care <laughs> <laughs> but i want to do ifs front end uh i'm going to build my own bulkhead and do all my own geometry setup and uh gonna do like my car now has an offset motor in it it's a front engine 
engine offset all the way to the passenger side. I'm going to do that again for the new car. Um, I'll end up probably doing, I would probably call you guys, get your trailing arm set up because I like how your guys' arms are built. Uh, and try to just keep it really light. That's the main goal. Just light and Because it seems everyone's building cars. Yeah, everyone's building cars that are five, 6,000 pounds, and that doesn't win races. Yeah, there's been yeah. some tanks light. around lately. Some big boys. Yeah. More weight, you're going to break stuff. So yeah. Keep it light. Yeah, more weight requires more power to run it, and then more power is harder on parts and just all of it. So, so have you raced King of the Hammers since 2014, and you've raced every year, or have you missed any? I haven't missed a year since 2014. I've raced every year. The first two years, I DNF'd. The third year, I ended up seventh in 4500 class. The next year, I DNF'd because I had uh, some, I forget what the issue was. Then the last two years in my new car, uh, this past King of Hammers, I finished fourth, and the year before that, I was third. Nice. So, oh, yeah, solid. man. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, and but my car's my my car now is a little different than everybody else's in the forty five hundred class, and it's a single seat car. No one in forty five hundred class has ever built a single seat car, and for short course racing, it's amazing because I have such a low center of gravity. The I was able to move the motor, like I said, offset the motor to the passenger side, and I like my car sits easily ten to twelve inches lower than every other car out there. But at King of the Hammer, it sucks because now I'm navigating for myself and I'm also having to winch myself if I can get stuck. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, didn't think about that. Yeah. Do you, out, of all the, uh, out of all these places, you know, whether that be KOH or, or Wild West, Motorsports Park or Prairie City, like what's, what's your favorite place uh, to race? And then what's your favorite place to just go on a, a weekend wheeling trip in your Toyota? Yeah, yeah. For me, I like any short course race, but my favorite venue is it has to be Wild West. That's that's just, just... because there's literally nothing better than you're going around on a parade lap and you look into the stands and it's literally packed full, no walking or like no standing room or any of that. And over all the motors that are running, you can still hear people cheering. That's probably the coolest feeling ever. That's pretty awesome. That is awesome. That's, That's pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. So I know hey, you're... It's, it's very Amer- American. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know uh, I know your pop does a lot of racing with you and whatnot. Is your race team pretty family-oriented, or is it just a bunch of group of buddies, or what's your race team look like? So my race team, it, it's pretty incredible how my race team has kind of come about. So my dad's always been a big part of things with me, and... Uh, I think last year, for the past two years, he couldn't make it out to Hammers. But I've had, somehow, in my years of racing, I've made friends with enough people where they take, I think it's around 30 people that come out and do pit support at Hammers. And I have seven people that come from Australia. They fly all the way out from Australia to come spend the week out and hang out and help out. And I don't know where the hell these people came from and how they... They just are willing to take a week of their time out to come help me, but it's incredible. And I've made literally lifelong friends through racing, and it's, it's great. I think I ended up running into some of the Aussies at our pit last year. 
and were telling me about that that they flew over just to to pit for you that's pretty awesome that's awesome man. yeah yeah so can you can you explain the the differences between the two the two classes like the other class you're <laughs> racing and then, and then the 44 so the 4500 class they call it the everman challenge and you're limited to uh 37 inch dot tires uh, axle mounted shocks no bigger than two and a half inch diameter and you can have two per corner so you can have a coil and coil over and a bypass on all four corners um you have to have a mechanical style steering uh, a box frame and it has to look somewhat like a production vehicle and then 4400 class it's literally you dream it and you think you can build it build it and go run it it's an unlimited everything it does not matter and you get guys with six six seven hundred thousand dollar like full independent suspension cars pulling 26 inches of wheel travel out of it and then you got guys with like forty fifty thousand dollar cars that are straight axles with trailing arms and you have you literally have every everything you can imagine is in the 4400 class hmm. yeah, i think what is it the hell's bells car has like 54s on it or something right something huge yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. see that every year yeah He's on like two and a half or five ton Rockwells with like 54s and front and rear steering on, on it. I think he was saying he has like a 1200 horse motor in it too. Wow. Yeah. I needed to turn those. Um, what about, uh, what, like, what's your, I guess, I don't know if I already asked this, but what's like, what inspired you to race King of the Hammers or what's your favorite thing to, uh, about King of the Hammers? So, it, for me, Keena Hammers, it just kind of came out of the fact that I co-drove for people and I was crew chiefing for everybody in it. And it, I could see the writing on the wall that was going to be like the premier race to race every year. If you race one year out of, or one race every year, it's got to be King of the Hammers. Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of drew me to King of the Hammers, you know. And... Like my favorite thing about it for me, it's literally it's that one week out of the year that I get to hang out with my seven buddies from Australia, these people from on the East Coast that come out and support me, and it's just it's it's a cool like get together for everybody, and there's nothing better than when you when you're able to cross the finish line and you get up on that podium and you see all your buddies down at the bottom like yelling and screaming for you, and it's like you know you couldn't do it without all their help and that's like probably the coolest feeling ever that's, that's pretty cool, cool man yeah. that's a pretty special feeling totally yeah yeah that's kind of like the beauty of the off-road community especially like the kind of just ultra four racing but especially hammers it's like such a team effort you know everybody has to come together to make it work which is pretty badass well, even competing teams you know that they yeah. as much as you guys are competing on the racetrack they want you to be on the racetrack so if they need to you know share a pitman arm or a bolt or a heim or tubing or whatever it takes to get your car to the start line they're going to help you do it and then they're going to try and beat you yeah but, uh, <laughs> is pretty... no, no one wants, as a racer no one wants to uh beat somebody because their car's broke you want to beat them on their best day yep yeah mm-hmm. uh so tell us about your toyota a little bit because that you know we talk about the racing a little bit but don't you don't you take some wheeling trips don't you have a little pickup or a crawler that you take on trips to the con or Fordyce and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. I picked up a 89 extra cab uh, with a LC Engineering built 22RE. It's got the 
typical Toyota goodies, a dual case, four sevens in the rear case, uh, ARBs front and back, as I said, sitting on 37s, uh, bead locks. I drive the thing pretty much everywhere I can. Like, when I go to Rubicon, I'll throw it on the trailer because it's just easier to throw it on a flatbed trailer. But the thing will cruise 70, 75 down the highway. It's great. <laughs> Do a bunch of local camping trips in it. and It's a fun little rig. Like, just It's literally your typical basic Toyota on lease springs. But for some reason, they just flat work. <laughs> yeah, tried and true. Now, where's your, where's your favorite place to take that? Uh, I... So I was supposed to be on the Rubicon this past weekend, and that's I've been going to the Rubicon since I was 15, and I love it up there. It's not a difficult place to go, but it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And uh, I was supposed to be up there this weekend or this past weekend, and we get up to the staging area, and we get probably probably 200 250 feet past Beer Tree there, right at the slabs, and all of a sudden everything shut off had nothing battery light comes on and i'm like oh crap so we popped the hood and ended up ended up killing an alternator no one had an alternator so we like charged the battery enough to drive it back to the truck and trailer and then loaded it up and me and the girlfriend just ended up spending spending the weekend at uh, her mom's cabin in tahoe <laughs> <laughs> right on yeah i saw I, I didn't read the post but i saw you did a post about an alternator so i'm guessing that's what that was about yeah yeah i ended up uh yeah the alternator took a crap on it and i was doing some research and like a super random bit of information, but a 1994 Jaguar XJ6 runs a 120-amp alternator with the exact same mounting holes and mounting style as what a Toyota pickup does. And they're internally regulated like the 88 and above Toyotas are. And all you got to do is pull the serpentine pulley off the Jaguar alternator, take your Toyota V-Belt, open it up to just under 17 millimeter and slap it on there and bolt it in and you're good to go. That's <laughs> awesome. There you go. Yeah, I took a, when I had my Toyota, I took it up to, I think a, like I think it was Boils or something like that. Boils, uh, whatever, alternator company up in Auburn. And he re- oh, yeah. rewound it for me and it was like, a, I forget, it was like 140 amp or 160 amp alternator, I think. Nice. Something like yeah. that. It's pretty crazy. It's like, yeah. why didn't Toyota just do that from the get-go? <laughs> you know, you're running like a 60-amp alternator, but yeah. you can rewind the, like you're saying, like 120, 140 amps. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever happened to your Toyota? You still got that thing or no? No, I sold it. I sold it. I don't know what year I sold that thing, but... It's been I, a while now, I sold man. it about a year after I started, and I've been here five years now, so... Yeah, I, years ago. I still miss it oh, every once in a while, and, I, and then I remember that I barely took it out, so... <laughs> Yeah, I would only well, need go, a family room. I know. Yeah, I I only took it out like once a year, and then yeah, now I have a daughter, so we'll probably yeah. I think we're, we're gonna try and um, we want to have another kid, but we need a house before that. What's that? Yeah, I said nice. That's rad. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so but we want we only have a two bedroom house right now, so we'll need a third bedroom. So we'll have to buy go get another another, another place to live. So. That's kind priority. Like when you yeah. built the Toyota and then you had to go buy the big dually and before yeah. you know it, you just keep that's, buying more and more stuff. That's another like reason why I sold the Toyota is because I so I built the Toyota. I wanted it to be street legal. I failed that mission. <laughs> so then I bought a, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I had to buy a, a tow rig, which, you know, it's like, okay, I have to buy a, a diesel. And then I had to maintain that truck and that was my daily driver too. And it just was like, 
and I barely, I, like I said, I drove it. I drove the Toyota like once a year, maybe twice a year. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I sold, sold the diesel and yeah, have a, have a pickup truck again, but I want to affect, man. Yeah. It's a vicious circle. Don't you hate it when life, yeah, don't you hate it when life gets in the way of all your fun stuff you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That happens more and more. I feel like as you get older. Yeah. Looking forward to it. <laughs> we'll probably, I'll probably later on, I'll do like a, a probably just a Jeep or something simple, you know, so that we do a four door. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. The four, the four door case, when they're built right, they do pretty damn well. Yeah. Quite impressive what they do. Yeah. We had the, uh, well, we actually kind of over, not overbuilt, but we, we had some pretty sick drivetrain on, on ours. We had a 2007, Rough Stuff did. And, uh, we had our Ford Nines front and rear on it, and we we put all the stock stock uh, style bracketry back on it, so we could just run the the um, like our link arms that we manufacture, put those back on there. I think it, I think we did the single flex yeah. one, so it had a bushing on one side and a heim on the other, oh, and thirty sevens, and that thing was awesome. It was like so easy to drive through Rubicon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did pretty good on the freeway. Yeah. And the only so thing, that, the automatic it, transmission was not I say, not a fan of everything we put underneath it. Yeah. yeah. Like you so said, you guys, you guys are you guys got right close right next to you guys, huh? Say say that again. It was cutting out for a sec. Uh, I said you guys have Fordyce right next to you, right? Oh yeah, right. Just, just right down the road from you. It's like a forty-five minute drive, right, or something? I don't. Know. It's like literally thirty, not even that, twenty-five minutes from my front door to Cisco Grove. <laughs> it's right up the hill, man. Yeah. You can go all the way there from on dirt roads from my house, actually. <laughs> Do you have so lucky? But you, I live about so an hour lucky. from the shop, though. Yeah, yeah, you're already like an hour away. Yeah, um, I think it's only like up eighty. It's like forty five minutes yeah. from here. It's like Cisco. It's road, but yeah, is it? Um, do you have any like good race stories or any like really memorable moments racing or we or even just wheeling? Uh, most of all my stuff, it's hard to just pick out one or two that's my favorite because everything has been been just amazing as far as the stories you can tell they're all campfire stories you know like you end up you end up having 20 30 great stories and 100 other small ones but if i had to pick one i'd probably say it was my first the third year racing key and the hammers and it was in my old two-seat car i had and my dad would he was my co-driver was riding shotgun with me and uh We'd be we'd be cruising through, uh, like cruising through the desert. And you know how you end up with race catheters, so it's more or less just like, I don't know. Mo- most people know what they are, but they're like condoms that you put on that have a little tube on them, and <laughs> you don't put them on just right. And if you bend your leg too much, you pinch the hose, you know. Yeah. So we're we're cruising through the desert, and me and my dad are both like petrified on using them because we've heard horror stories about them, right? So. Like he's just he's on the radio talking to me and uh, through the intercoms and he's like, man, I'm re- I'm gonna try it. I gotta go from like, dude, don't let it blow off. Don't let, don't. <laughs> he ended up pissing himself. <laughs> and I, after just having like probably no more than like 10, 15 minutes later, so I did the same thing. My mine did the same thing. So we both like pissed ourselves in the <laughs> in the seat of the race car. And it happened to be the one year we finished King of the Hammers, and we had to get out of the car, and it it was. It was all kinds of bad. <laughs> it, was, it was super embarrassing, but it was everybody's done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. I'm sure that's it, so it, common. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah it, it was super... it was cool because that was, that was the first year of finishing hammers, and my dad was riding shotgun with me. So that that whole year was 
pretty pretty memorable in that sense like he was super ecstatic you know he, we both shed tears as we we're coming down the last hill coming towards the checkered flag it, it was cool it was that's a cool pretty moment badass man he that's cool now he's out in nevada isn't he yeah they so i was born and raised in antioch and they just moved out to uh like smith valley area i think it was like two and a half three years ago out there yeah he retired and they just wanted to get out and they got like 20 acres out there house nice. butts up to blm land so they got, they got a nice little spread there you go yeah i think his name's mark right i think i've talked to him a couple times yeah, I, I think I, I know I've sent him your guys' way to. He's building a little two seat uh, rock crawler buggy, and I sent him your guys' way to get quite a few different things for that. So I know I know he's talked to you at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, do you daily drive that your Toyota pickup, or do you, what's your daily? So, I I can daily drive it. I try not to just because I thirty sevens get expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing those out. So. I have a 2012 Chevy 1500 that is my daily driver at the moment, and because I, I have I bought that truck just recently, and I still have my diesel tow rig, and I'm kind of contemplating selling my diesel, and then trading the Chevy in on like let's say newer diesel and consolidating all into one truck, mm-hmm. you know, so I have one truck that can kind of do everything. Yeah, and that's a that's a tough thing to do because of my Ford that I have my it's an old 7.3 I've had that truck since it had 92,000 miles on it it's got 326,000 on it now wow that's what I had a, that's, <laughs> that, that was my uh, tow rig too was a 7.3 it's a 2001 crew cab long bed dually <laughs> with a 6 manual yeah manual manual transmission manual transfer case manual locking hubs it was like see it's a great that's nice yeah mine yeah, that's the most ideal daily driver ever yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep. The dually fits yeah, my, all the drive throughs for sure. Yeah. I used to watch yeah, my Garrett. Oh, I used to watch Go Garrett ahead. pull a uh, pull a trailer through the Taco Bell drive through with that dually. <laughs> I want to get out and walk in. That's impressive. I don't I don't think I've tried to do it, shove a truck and trailer through a drive through yet. <laughs> we went we went somewhere a long time ago and uh, when I had that thing, and Mallory was the sober one, so she knew how to, she, she knows how to drive a stick, but it's been like a long time. And we're, we all decided to go through the Carl's Jr. drive-through, and with the dually long bed, it's like it's you have to be aware of your surroundings, you know. And it was like I picked like the easiest drive-through. I'm like, let's go to the Carl's Jr. because that's like a pretty straight drive-through there. And she, um, it was like just a little bit of a curve, like a couple feet each way. And she just went straight through and just we were yeah. curb on one side, curb on the other. Like, we just, it was, I was like, oh my God, I thought, I thought I lost my fenders, you know, and God, that scared me. That was the last time she drove. So yeah, the six speed in the, in the seven threes is the way to go. My truck's yeah. on its transmission already. So I was talking to Ty, uh, you, you know, Tyson there, but, uh, one of our, um, oh, like a, kind of like original customers had a seven three as well and he he took it to a transmission guy and just got it uh, i think tuned essentially and and uh i think he got like um whatever like it locks up or doesn't lock up the, con- the torque converter so he he tuned it to where it would 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 tow properly i guess and he that was the last time he ever had to do any transmission work to it 
Really? Yeah. I, I'd have to ask him again specifically what he did, but he spent like a couple hundred bucks on transmission tuning, and that was that. Huh. Yeah. Damn, that'd be nice. Yeah. I got a stage two transmission in my truck. It's got full billet torque converter, all... Like, it's like a five grand uh, <laughs> transmission. It sucks. <laughs> Dang. It sucks. But I was like, I only want to do it once, and technically I've done it twice now, but that's this is the first time I did a full built transmission. The first one was just a stock replacement. Yeah. And that just never lasted. So I put this built transmission in it and knock on wood. It's been pretty good. I haven't had any issues with it, but nice. I wish I, I keep telling myself if I lose another transmission, I'm going to do a six speed swap in it. Yeah. There you go. yeah I, I tell that to a lot of my customers with, you know, with various things, if they're considering dumping a bunch of money into a, a Dana 30 or a 44 versus you know, to build a 44 these days is actually not that much more to build a 60 anymore, yeah, yeah, unlike true. unlike years past. And you know, buy once, yeah. cry once. It's, yeah. it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, it's true. 100% buy buy once, cry once, and that goes towards like if you're racing, if you want to get into racing, it's the same thing. You rather spend all the part and the money once and do it right instead of have to do do it a few times to get to the right place. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Do you have any um, sponsors you want to talk about, or I know you mentioned some earlier about your build, but and then um, or any shout outs you want to you want to say? Yeah, I've always got tons of shout outs to give. Um, <laughs> not a bad thing. The uh, first one, I want to thank Rough Stuff. You guys have, like I said, probably been my longest standing like partnership, and it's I think for me it's been amazing. I, you guys have always been super helpful. The fact that you guys were out at every NorCal race with welding support, you guys, it's it's amazing what you guys do. And you go go to Hammer, spend a week out there, and help hundreds and thousands of people out there. And it's it's incredible what you guys do. Um, Want to give a big shout out to uh, Yokohama Tire. They came on board beginning of this year. Uh, honestly, probably one of the better tires I ran. Not just because I'm sponsored by them, but the fact of, that they held up through hammers and I didn't have a single flat, that's pretty impressive for those tires. Um, that's a big deal. Yeah. Josh West, he was originally with 208 Motorsports, but he's down in at CBM uh, Motors in SoCal now. Yeah, he built my motor for me. He does all my remote tuning. He tunes just about everybody's cars nowadays, it seems like. But he, huge shout out to him. Uh, Phil Accardi at Liberty Mountain Fab. He does all shock tuning for my car. It, he's literally between Josh and him. They're the reason my car works as good as it does. Oh yeah. You know, I, you you can build a car, but if you, if it doesn't run right and if it doesn't get through the desert right, it's not it's not a decent car. What's so. Phil's? Isn't Phil's nickname like Shock Jesus? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Actually, he, he was in the office this morning. Oh, was he? Yep. Shit. So we what's had funny? Him on the podcast. Jesus. Uh, I actually, not bragging about, it, but I was the first person to coin that ter- that term for him. Oh, really? <laughs> but, yeah, it was around Christmas time, and I still have the photos saved on my phone. Someone posted a picture of what they quote unquote thought Jesus looked like, and it was some like drawn thing, and it looked identical to Phil. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> this, is, this is Phil. Phil is Jesus. He is shocked Jesus. <laughs> That's funny. Snowball, and now everybody calls him that, and it, that's like the single most 
greatest nickname I've ever come up with that has stuck for somebody. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. And Phil, Phil, he's literally the most humblest guy out there. He, he's not. He never once like says he's the best at it, at what he does. Just his work speaks for it. You know, he he's an incredibly great great person to work with in that sense. Um, shoot, I think who else? Were, oh. Battleborn Wheels, Aaron Orlick. I don't know if you guys have done much with him, but his new wheels he has are pretty damn stout. Hmm. I think I've only flat spotted one of them, and that was because I drove on it on a flat at a short course race for like four laps. <laughs> so anytime a wheel can take that kind of abuse, that's pretty impressive. Um, Dirt Alliance, you, most people in the like rock scene don't know about them. They're more of like pre-runner and uh, like trophy truck guys, but they're... familiar. <laughs> what was that? Uh, I'm pretty familiar with them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Dirt Alliance, they've been with me for a year or two now, and uh, I know they just recently got bought by somebody else, and he's taking a completely different direction, so I'm pretty excited to see what direction he's going to go with Dirt Alliance. And then uh, Ethos Vision, they're a sunglass company. Um, they're fairly new startup. They're uh, American-owned, uh, huge veteran support for those guys, and pretty pretty rad sunglasses. Um, I have a discount code through them. Off the top of my head, I think it was Rock Hard 13. So if anyone wants some sunglasses, they're like 15% off, I think, with that. Nice. So, oh yeah. I might be able to set you you guys up with something a little better though. I probably have something in my house I can send you guys. <laughs> right, right on, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the Speed Company—they're a pretty new clothing company, and uh, they're—they hit me up just shoot a couple weeks ago and wanted me to help be a brand and brand ambassador for them. So that kind of was kind of a cool little new venture with that too sick that's very cool man hell yeah yeah, yeah and then a shameless for myself uh i kind of starting a side business called 13 fabrication so i've got to give a shout out to myself on that one right on man. <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah yeah a website yet or is it just uh just starting up just an instagram page right now it's okay. just the like one three fabrication and uh just kind of do it's all just a side hustle more or less right now the ultimate dream goal is to always i've always had this dream since i was probably 16 was to own my own fab shop and build cars for people like i love building and like anything metal fabrication i love doing but right now in the area it doesn't pay the bills so gotta have the adult job (laughs) what's going to be the what's going to be the like major focus are you just going to kind of do anything fab wise or focus on vehicles or Right, right now at this point, I'm not really turning away anything because a little bit of side cash is always good to have. And uh, but the main goal is to focus on off-road related uh, cars. Yeah. As far as rock crawlers and rock and ultra four style cars. So. so what's the the name was one three? Yeah, one three fabrication. So it's like thirteen fab. What's the like? Where did you come up with that name? So thirteen. The number 13 has been like my family's lucky number ever since I was a kid. And I've always raced with some form of 13. And when I started in rock crawling competitions, 
they never had like the number 13 was already taken so i ended up running 713 and then when i got into the ultra four scene i dropped the seven and just kept 13 with it and i've always have been number 13 literally in everything since i was little so it just just made sense to keep keep it going forward right on that's cool yeah oh, yeah and then I know you've talked about this in the past, but like a lot, a lot of other things that you, or you, you started racing also to um, just promote awareness to Crohn's, right? Yeah, yeah. I started shoot when I was 2008 is when I was diagnosed and almost died in the hospital, and uh, I had seven inches of my intestine removed, had an extremely complicated surgery and a whole lot of other complications throughout the healing process. And I, at that time I leaned over to my dad and said, listen, like if, if, if I get better, I want to go uh, like rock crawling competitively on a professional level, but I want to do it for something, you know? And I said, I want to like, anyone can just like go rock crawling professionally for like whatever reason they want to but i want to do it to bring awareness for crohn's disease and at that time i had a uh it was a found it was, it was like a foundation but it was through the crohn's and colitis foundation of america but it was called crawling for crohn's and uh i was raising money for the the found that uh, crohn's and colitis foundation for research and everything like that and i and i donate money every year to them and uh you see like my race car now it doesn't have it's not branded crawling for crones but you'll see a purple ribbon on it and then on the back i have like a purple handkerchief that's tied up that flies in the back of it and it's all still bringing uh, awareness for crones oh yeah right on man that's cool it's good stuff yeah. yeah that's what it's all about it's a it's a it it's that disease is been more vocal a lot lately over in the past like five years that when i was first diagnosed with it really no one knew about it and uh still to this day like i do infusions every six weeks that they, they pump me full of a med that helps keep everything at bay so it's not so, like i got diagnosed once and then had a surgery and it's all fine and dandy i deal with it every every day of my life for sure yeah, is it is that is that something like uh, bringing awareness to that? Does that help also with like just people catching the symptoms ahead of, ahead of time to, to prevent, you know, worse, um, something bad, like worse happening to you? So a lot of it for me, what I've noticed is by bringing awareness to it, everyone's like, oh, wait, I have a family member that had that or I know someone that has this or this and that. And I have people message me and ask me about, like what meds I've taken and what I do for like eating wise and what helps my body and just trying to help people that already have it, uh, like manage it and kind of survive with it. Gotcha. That's cool, man. I mean, yeah, at least like you're, you're doing something for other people. That's like, I think that's really rewarding. Um, yeah. Just to bring any kind of awareness to, to something you have experience with is cool. So, yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, that's all the questions I got for you, man. And I, we appreciate you know having you on here and and uh, and hope to have you on again soon. See you soon. Hopefully, this quarantine or this uh, COVID pandemic will be over. Doesn't seem like it's getting better right now though. But 
No, it doesn't. No, hopefully uh, we'll be able to see you race soon and and uh, see you in the shop. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I gotta give Morgan a call here in the next like month or so. I gotta order a front axle housing for a trail rig that I'm building, and then I gotta order a new rear axle housing for my race car too. So I'll be be calling you guys here soon. <laughs> Sounds great. Look Sweet. forward to hearing from you. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for uh, jumping on here with us. Pretty badass, man. Definitely appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you guys, man. I appreciate you reaching out and wanting me to be a part of the Rough Stuff podcast. You've just oh, been yeah. a, a great uh, great ambassador for us. You know, like you said, we've, we've kind of been with you since the beginning, but you've also kind of been, I think you're one of our sponsored racers that's been on our list since day one. Yeah, I don't think pretty much I, since the beginning. I don't think I could think of anybody else that's been on the list longer than you, man. But uh, Jimmy Hoyt might be up there yeah. with me. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah, Jimmy, probably, Jimmy's yeah. right there. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's who. Yeah. That, that's how I think Dan. Another, another one of the OGs. That's how yeah. I think he got sponsored. Was he was just doing? Some, he's doing one of the, one of like the bonus lines or something with like completely broken and mm-hmm. going for it. Dan was like, "I'll give you anything. Just keep <laughs> keep, doing <laughs> keep doing that same thing." Yeah. Like he's such a cool dude, Jimmy. Yeah, oh, yeah. He is. yeah. And always yeah. super humble. Yeah, he's the nicest guy. Yeah. 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 For sure. All right, man. Get it. All right, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Yep. Sounds good. Have a good one. Have a good day, Justin. Thanks. Later.